ask that you turn in your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 is where we're going to go. Um, I'm going to just ask for a time of prayer and then we'll read the first five verses and then I'll get us all back up on on to speed of where we're at. Uh, as a body, we have been studying the book of Corinthians. We're dealing with spiritual gifts. And one of the things that we need to understand is who is the Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And um, that's what we've been looking at. Father, we come to hear your word. Father, we do not come to hear men. We don't come to hear the wisdom of men. We do not come to hear the opinions of men. Father, we come to hear from you. Father, we come to hear from you who spoke existence into being. Father, we come to hear from you who in your awesome power flung the stars into the heavens and yet your power was so massive that you redeemed us. Father, your power in redemption is so beyond our comprehension that we are literally holy before you. Father, help us to hear this. Help us to understand the Spirit's work in your people. Father, as uh, we draw upon such a resource, and Father, that our, our finite minds just can't seem to grasp. Lord, help us. Help us to hear. Help us to see. To your glory. Amen. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and I'll just start bringing it all back together because we're looking at something that I've called uh, our dependence. What are we dependent on? Everybody in this room is dependent on something, whether you like to acknowledge it or not. Let's read the word of the Lord. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed, if it was in vain? So then does He who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith. We're looking at the Spirit of the Living God. We spent a few weeks into this already. And and I wanted to look at this because when we talk about spiritual gifts, uh, we tend to get um, we tend to get a little confused on it. And yet in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, I do not want you to be ignorant of these things, Paul told the Corinthians church. And I, without very much research whatsoever, if I ask the church about spiritual gifts, I believe that we will all be in accordance that we are kind of on the ignorant side of them. And part of the reason is um, uh, what I've been dealing with, three, three issues that have appeared in the church in the last century um, uh, is what I call the experiential movement. Uh, Experience becomes the volition of what I deem as true. Uh, And um, some of you may call it the charismatics. You can call it whatever you want. I call it experience. And the experience is thus it must be true. Um, The second is what I call pragmatism. And this is almost like the Orthodox Church fear of the charismatic movement the experience movement and they've jumped over here and we don't even talk about the holy spirit but we do um basically whatever you want to call it it's it's self-help uh we do a method a system uh, a plan uh, we're going to do this this methodology or maybe this man has written a book or this person has this thing and we're going to do this and if i've given them enough information then i can rectify this situation and out of that was also birthed a thing that i call psychological sanctification and it's basically man probing the soul of man and giving him the answers that he needs and therefore he will become holy all right. Those three issues, I think, are the predominant ones or a blending of the three that are dealing with the church today uh, here in America. Uh, we have this body has been privileged and um, 
blessed to be able to minister in some other countries where they don't tend to have these problems, though they do tend to be growing, uh, whether it be in Burma under Pastor Paul or what we're doing in Orel, uh, what's going in the lands of Russia um, and some other places that we've, as, as a body, have reached out to and have um, had the process. And Paul asked a question to a group in Galatia that I believe is one of the most profound questions that's ever been asked to Christian. Who has bewitched you? The word bewitched is to charm you. Who has laid something out here to deceive you in a way, to charm you, to tickle your ears, to make you think you have accomplished something? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed? This one thing I want to find out, he says. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? He's basically saying, how'd you get saved? How did you get saved? Well, I was given the information. I looked at the information. I waited in light of everything I've seen, and therefore I am saved. Really? John's Gospel, chapter 16, said, The Holy Spirit has been given unto mankind first and foremost to convict of sin. I see many in the church today who have never been convicted of sin and yet profess to be saved. And I do not care where you stand morally this day. Okay, you were knit in your mother's womb and you were conceived in sin. You were born of Adam. You are a sinner. You do not be born and then cruise along at some point and all of a sudden sin. Now I'm a sinner. No, you were conceived in sin. That's how massive and powerful your God is. If you have never been convicted of sin, then my question for you would be this. What were you saved from? What were you saved from? Because if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 25, Acts chapter 11, 18, and some others that we've already looked at in depth, you're going to find out that you didn't even repent unless the Holy Spirit did it. Paul told Timothy, he says, if someone argues with you, if someone comes against you, he says, you pray that God brings them to repentance. You can't change. You can't change course. It's your nature. So when I see that I was convicted of sin and I see that I was brought into repentance and it was all works of the Holy Spirit, then I understand the Holy Spirit working in salvation. So how did I get saved? I got saved through the massive power of the Spirit of the living God. Just invading into the life of fallen man, overwhelming the man, the woman, the child, just running over them. And I mean, you know what? He doesn't even take prisoners. He has no mercy. He comes in and he will lay the soul to waste. And yet, Hebrews 12 tells me that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So there was a reason that I was saved, and that was to be holy. Sanctified, cleansed, hygiene, sacred, holy, set apart. Why? How did that happen? Well, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says the Holy Spirit just comes over and He indwells you. We've seen that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Romans 8, 9. Listen, there isn't a second baptism that takes care of. Please understand, hear these words well. There, there's a huge movement in the church today, and it, it basically says that this point in time I came to salvation, and, and it was so cool, I just got saved, and it was a blast. And then there's a later time that comes on that I am baptized, immersed, and dwelt with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden now I can do some kind of weird thing and um, I'm all of a sudden ready to be used by God. Okay? That is not scriptural. Okay? Romans 8 9 says, if you are not indwelt with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're not His. Okay? You're not saved if you are not indwelt with the Holy Spirit. He the Spirit convicted us. He the Spirit turned me to repentance. He, the Spirit, indwelled me. He, the Spirit, baptized me. He immersed us into Christ. Now, I want you to think about this for a second because we get this all twisted up. I hear a lot erroneous teaching on this baptism of the Spirit thing. Let me see if I can make this as simple as I can. And I'm going to do my best. You know me. I have to be simple. Christ is the baptizer. 
Okay, we, we have this little tub here and people have been baptized into it and there are times that they'll come and they'll ask me to baptize. As a Christian, Christ is the baptizer. He baptizes you not of, but with the Holy Spirit. The, bab- the Holy Spirit is not the baptizer. Christ is the baptizer. He baptized with the Holy Spirit to immerse you into the church. You are part of the body of Christ. You and I have become part of the living body of the Lord Jesus Christ as it is incarnate today through the gathering of the saints together. It is a work of Jesus Christ done with the Holy Spirit. That is instantaneous. It isn't a matter of I got saved and then I'm waiting around, I'm going to go get baptized and now I'm a part of the church. That is instantaneously. Here's another instantaneous thing that you and I sometimes miss. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 4 through 7 says, You've been given a gift. You already have it. You're not out looking for it. You just need to unwrap it. I mean, really, that's really what you need to do. You just need to unwrap the bugger. It's already there. It's a divine enabling It's a divine empowering. You already have it. Why? Because you are in the body of Christ. It's, you know what, I hate to use this because it gets thrown around so much, but I don't have another term for it. It's a supernatural ability. Listen, my wife is very, very good musically. She plays the piano and the guitar and the organ and a few other things. But my wife will tell you that that is not a spiritual gift. Okay? Now then, if I walk over and play the piano, and I mean, and it sounds good, that would be a spiritual gift. Okay? But let me tell you something. If I go over and play that piano right now, we'll be done early. We'll be done early. All right? I I can't even do chopsticks. All right, most people can do chopsticks. I can't do chopsticks. There is a new supernatural empowering that has to take place. That is the Spirit of God. It is not a talent. It is not a talent. Listen, there, we've looked at these. There's preaching. It's a supernatural enabling. You know, I don't like to be in front of people. I don't like it. I like to sit in, like at a coffee table or something like that and discuss scripture or stuff like that. But God has put me in places that, oh, heaven forbid. I don't like to do that. I'm not a public speaking kind of guy. If you don't spend time with me and my wife, you're going to find out that I am the introvert and she's the extrovert. So why am I the preacher? Because God says, you can't do it. And I said, I know. So will you make me do something else? And he said, no, this is what you're going to do. There is preaching. There is teaching. Okay? That's why I'm I'm trying to... We're we're putting together this resource library. Why? Some of you are teachers. There is governing. There is prayer. There is helping. There is giving. We've looked at these gifts. They are for the equipping of the saints for the workers of ministry. They're given to you to strengthen Christians in the church. Spirit of God ministering through us, through you. To the body of Christ. It's a divine enabling. It's a, it's a supernatural ability. Let me show you something else that the Holy Spirit does. I want you to grab a hold of this because I'm not talking about a process here. This is instantaneous. When you were saved, this happened. You, you, I wish that the saints of God would all of a sudden go, Whoa. Because I see saints of God going out looking for stuff they already have. And I'm sitting there going, you're just telling me that the Holy Spirit is what? He left? Okay. Another thing in Ephesians chapter 1. I could spend some time here, but I'm I'm trying to keep. Oh, this is going to be difficult for me. This is some stuff. Chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 will literally set your soul afire. Okay? Because this is instantaneous at the moment of salvation. Please hear me. You, we have bought the sign in the, uh, the mindset that says, 
at this point, you know, I said the sinner's prayer or I was at Billy Graham or I walked an aisle or something like that and I was justified. I have this life that I am being sanctified and then over here I'm going to go be with Jesus. I'm going to be glorified. That's not biblical. You're justified, sanctified, glorified, equal, saved. You may not believe it, but it happened My Bible says, Jesus says, my glory I give them. In context of John 17, he's talking about you and me. The glory of Jesus Christ is now. You may not believe it. But let me tell you something. He is faithful to prove it to you. Okay? And I I leave that up to him. Look what it says here. This is so cool. In him. Okay, you know who in him is, right? That'd be Jesus. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, stop right there. How do you get saved? You got to hear truth. You can't hear a little story. You can't hear a cute illustration. You can't hear some fuzzy, icky, sentimental thing. You've got to have the word of truth. And you heard it because you're in him. All right, in him, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you got that, right? The good news of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him. In who? Christ. How? With the Holy Spirit of promise. With the Holy Spirit of promise. The word sealed there, it isn't like a a Ziploc bag. Okay, it literally means that it's authentic. Okay, it's authentic. It's a genuine article. It's an unbreakable promise because it is sealed. It's authentic. You are an authentic child of God. You are in an unbroken pledge. These people who think you can lose your salvation and I got it and he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. That's impossible. Don't fit this text. If I'm in him... I have been sealed with a promise. Now, there's maybe be times when you don't feel sealed. But that doesn't mean it ain't true. All right, so here's what he says. You are sealed with him, with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. The word pledge there is Erebon. You know what that is? Erebon. It's an engagement ring. Okay, now let me ask. You know, I, I've seen it. Uh, my son has been engaged for like 19 or 20 years. And uh, I don't know. I don't even know how that. I'm sitting there going, okay. And, you know, they were going to get married in, in, at Christmas and then in spring and then in the summer. And I don't know. And, but, you know, and I said, you, know, you should talk to the woman, Jim. Anyway. Uh, anyway. So he gave her an engagement ring. And it promises that somewhere down the, down the road we're going to get married. Somebody here is learning patience. I'm not sure who. Okay. But the Erebon, you have been given, you have been sealed, authenticated with the promise of an engagement ring from who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. And the engagement ring is not a gold band with a, I don't know what they give anymore, a diamond or, I don't know, Pop ring cap or something, I don't know. All right? The promise is, is the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you are my bride. We are going to have the biggest wedding feast you've ever seen in your life. And I promise you this because I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So we've been secured for eternity. We've been secured in our eternal glory. That's the eternal inheritance. At salvation, the Holy Spirit became part of the down payment of your eternal glory. That's why when Jesus says, my glory I give them, it means that it is manifested now. But it isn't nothing like what's going to happen when you see him face to face. When you see him face to face, you're going to be saying, oh, whoa, or some other profound thing. Okay? You're going to say, now this is a wedding party. And you are. And we're just going to be standing around. 
I don't know. Some of you guys may be better off than me. I'm just going to be standing there with my mouth open. Okay? Probably for the first thousand years. Okay? And then, I don't know what I'll do on the second thousand, but I'll figure it out. Okay? So we have a promise of this big wedding. The Holy Spirit has given it a pledge of our inheritance. That's what he's saying here. I mean, this is amazing stuff. He's been given as a pledge of our inheritance with the view of the redemption of God's own possession to the praise and glory. Whose praise and glory? His praise and glory. Whose possession? God's possession. Do you understand that? You are not your own. You've been bought and paid for the price. Not only that, you've been sealed. You've been authenticated. This is definitely mine. You know, when I watch people who live these lives that look just like lost people, and yet they say, I am saved, and I keep saying, but you don't look like it. And boy, do I get in trouble. You don't look saved. Well, but I am saved. I said a prayer. I can't find in my Bible. I'm not done looking, but I'm going to keep looking. I can't find in my Bible where it says, you pray this prayer, he'll save you. My Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts me of sins. Then the Holy Spirit makes me repent. And then I am sealed. I am immersed in the body of Christ. I am overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus Christ. I am overwhelmed by what he's doing. You know, I had a person come to me and says, well, you need to come teach our church. And I said, teach him one. He said, you need to teach him to fall in love with the word. I said, you just need him to get saved. They need to be saved. Why? You can't teach a person to fall in love with the Bible. The Holy Spirit comes in and says, you're in love with the Bible. And you wake up in love with the Bible. I don't even like to read. I never like to read. If God wanted me to read, why did he make TV? Why did he make those audio books? He knew me. He says he won't read. But he says, you know what? I'm going to pour my Holy Spirit into him. And guess what he'll do? He reads. Now every once in a while I have to have a dictionary to understand what they're telling me. But I still read we need to look at this brothers and sisters because if he can speak existence into being I'm thinking that you're really a problem and I hear people saying well what about my will what about this then you need to come to my God my God says you are not your own you've been bought and paid for with the price let me show you another one 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13 we should always give thanks for you thanks to God for you this is Paul the Thessalonian church is a remarkable church if you ever get a chance I'd read these two letters you'll just sit there and go wow okay we give thanks to God to you brethren beloved of the Lord because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification how By the Spirit and faith in the truth. Okay, you know what sanctification is, right? Holiness. What are you going to do to make yourself holy? Nothing. You've been set apart from sin. You've been set apart from death. You've been set apart from the consequences of sin. Positionally, you are set there in a position that you are only as holy as Jesus Christ. That's all. Well, I don't believe it. Well, you know what? Some of you don't look like it. But you know what? That still don't make it not true. That still doesn't make it true. The only thing you've ever been called to grow in is your faith. And God will give you the information through the scriptures, through your time on your knees before his throne, through gifted, supernaturally empowered men and women in your life who teach you by their ways, their walks, their attitudes, their teaching, their exposition. They will literally take the mouthpiece of a human being and literally through the power of the Holy Spirit take holy words of God and stuff them in the soul and the spirit of a blind, naked, and depraved man. Now what are you going to do for that? Literally change the soul of a human. Right before your eyes. Just like instantaneously. And you're going to do what to add to that? You know, I hear people say, well, you know, I need to learn how to share the gospel. No, you need to get saved. Because if you're saved, you will share the gospel. You may not even know what you're saying. But I got news for you. If you're saved this day, you know that the Holy Spirit came in, convicted you, brought you to repentance, and you know how to share that with another person. It isn't a matter of, well, now let's go to the book of Romans, and Romans chapter 1 says you're this and that. No! No! 
You got saved somewhere you were in the darkness. Now you're in the light. And you should be able to say, I was over here in the darkness. Now I'm in the light. I used to be separated from God. Now I think he's the berries. I don't care how you say it. God don't care how you say it. You couldn't save him if you had to. God saves him. You're just the conduit. You're the mouthpiece. You know, everybody says, well, what's it like to be a preacher? Foghorn. That's basically all it is. I just stand up there and beep, you're going to hit in the rocks. And that's it. I mean, it isn't as glamorous as everybody thinks. Everybody comes to you, well, I'm about to crash into the rocks. What do you think? Beep, you're about to hit the rocks. And that's what you do. You know, it's amazing. I can't change anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't make you holy. I feel like a weatherman. I don't have to get anything right. (laughs) Right? Listen, he separates you from sin and death. He separates us from the dominion of sin. You know what I mean by the dominion of sin? I had to look it up. The rule of sin doesn't have reign over me anymore. Child of God doesn't have that. Why? Because here in 13 he says, Why? You were chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification, holiness, by the Spirit, faith in the truth. Man, I know people who have never read their Bible and said, I heard a lady one time describe it. She says, You know what? I was just looking for spiritual things, and you know, when I prayed, and man, Jesus has just been just like this ever since. Jesus, who? What Jesus are you talking about? Because that's what we've done. We kind of, we make our own Jesus. Why? The one that I like. You know, the one who says, yeah, let's go hang out together and have a, a burger and a beer. Okay? Is that the Jesus of the Bible? No. Back to your text in Galatians. The, listen, let me share with you you were saved through. What were you saved through? What was the work of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. You began in the Spirit. Right? If you're saved today, you began in the Spirit. Alright? You may not like to acknowledge that, but that's exactly what you were done. Alright? What does that mean? Instantaneously. Let me give you a list of what happened at the moment of your salvation. You were convicted of your sin. Please hear me. Your sin. You were not convicted of my sin. Okay, you were not convicted of Bill Clinton's sin or anybody else's sin. You were convicted of your sin. You were brought to repentance. How? Hearing with faith. This is truth. You know what hearing with faith means, right? I heard it and I believed. All right? At that same moment that you were convicted, you were drawn to repentance, you were indwelt by the Spirit of God, you were immersed into the body, you were gifted for service, you were secured, you were sealed, and you were having eternal inheritance, you were separated through sanctification, and no longer have dominion, the sin no longer has dominion over you, and nor does the consequences of death. Instantaneously. There's no process in there. You know, I see people who get afraid. You know, I got diagnosed. I got spots on my lung or whatever it is, and I think it's cancer. And, you know, can you pray for my healing? You know, healing is in the presence of the Lord. You really want me to pray for your healing? Okay. Christian ain't afraid of death. Christian ain't afraid of death. I was sick this week. Uh, I don't know what it was. You know, my wife said, well, it was a virus. Or was this? I don't know what it was. I was sick, and I just want to go home. I didn't mean to my bed. I mean home up. Why? Because you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get sick again. I'm going to have other illnesses. I'll have other things that afflict me through however long God leaves me here. Okay? And it's going to go on. It's going to go on. It's going to go on as long as I'm in this body. And yet, if I have been freed from sin and death, then guess what? Death doesn't have bondage over us. Shouldn't. And yet, look at the church today and tell me, how's come the church is so afraid of dying? Death. You know, uh, just a few months ago, uh, I buried a very dear friend of mine, uh, a brother. We walked together. We both came out. We both came out of a horrible place. 
Both came into the light of Jesus Christ. God gave me the privilege of baptizing him, uh, and we walked together. Okay, and God took him home. And, um, you know, and everybody says, well, you know, Terry's crying all around. Yeah, I'm envying him. He's done. And he left me here. Turkey. <laughs> I owe him one when I see him. What was up with that? Okay. One of the last things I told him <clears throat> before he lost his consciousness was, I'll see you shortly. He just smiled at me. He knew what I was talking about. What does that mean? If I live to be 150 years old, oh, I'm going to be furious. But if I live to be 150 years old, in the eternal timeline of God, what is that, a dot? So, I mean, no matter how long he is in heaven ahead of me, I will see him shortly. It surely will only be shortly. Because I've been freed from this. How did you begin? How did you begin? You began instantaneously. That's what Paul's question is to the Galatians. Who has bewitched you? Who has charmed you that makes you think that now that you're saved, all of a sudden you can make yourself holy? Listen, here's the way I look at this question. Can the supernatural life be perfected on the natural plane? Can the supernatural life be perfected on the natural plane? If I begin with all of this, convicted, drawn to repentance, immersed, indwelt, sealed, sanctified, gifted, all of that happened instantaneously, I can do what to add to that? Now that we are Christians, what are we sufficient in? What is the Holy Spirit doing now? Okay. I have been sanctified through, question mark. Through what? Your prayer journal? Your memorization of scripture? How many Bible studies you've been through? How many Sunday school classes you've taught? How many VBS, Kool-Aid functions, whatever? I don't know. What do you, what do you think? What makes you holy? Because let me show you some stuff here. And I'm just going to go through a list and I'm just going to hit one today. Because I want us to think about this. I think we miss it. Um, the music that we sang today, I love you, Lord. Do we really understand what that means? When you think about um, near to the cross, do we really understand what that means? Well, yeah, there's it's one on that wall and there's one on that wall. Near to the cross. You know, I got a cross around my little chain here thing. I have a cross on my bumper. Okay, what does it mean? What does it mean when we sing, in my life, Lord, be glorified? What are we singing? What are we saying? Okay, and first thing I want us to think about is this sanctified through in your dependence. Do you understand that the Holy Spirit brings us into intimacy with God? Um... You know, intimacy, uh, we probably have a perverted view of that. Um, it, it brings us access to God. Um, God is the spiritual source of all that we need. You and I exist in, a, in a, a bizarre place as Christians. We live in a spiritual plane and a physical plane. Okay? When I, deal, when I look at people... Um, you guys are all going to, well, whatever. When I look at people, I see one of two problems. They either have a physical problem or they have a spiritual problem. Most of the time, it's a spiritual problem. I mean, everybody, but it's got to be more. No, it's, it's not. I mean, if somebody hits you in the head with a baseball bat, you have a physical problem. Right? If you're struggling with your spouse, <laughs> you're wanting to make it. a physical problem. <laughs> if I hit him in the head with this baseball bat, <laughs> he'll be better. Uh, no, he won't. <laughs> I know that for a fact. Men's heads are very hard. You can hit them a whole bunch of time and they just sit there and smile at you. Anyway, and when you deal with relationship with people, 11 out of 10 of them, it's a spiritual problem. Listen, you know what right now? I can teach every single one of you 
how to never ever have a disagreement with another human being ever again. Whether it be your child, your spouse, a co-worker, even the policeman that pulls you over. Even the, 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 the guy who's got 59 items in the 20 item checkout line. You'll never have a disagreement. Do nothing for vain conceit or selfish ambition and all humility consider others more important than yourself. You'll never ever have another disagreement with anybody because everybody is what? More important than you are. Now go do that. Okay? Go do it. It's no problem. It's just in your Bible. You read it. It comes out of Philippians. No worries. That's what the Bible says. I'll just go do it. And then you're going to say, you know what? He said I was going to grow in faith. And God will put one of the most miserable individuals you've ever met on the planet Earth in your life and says, now then, consider him more important or her more important than you. Okay? We live in a supernatural realm that has a physical side and a spiritual side. God is the provider of all spiritual resources, period. God is the provider for all, hear me, spiritual joy. God is the provider. We live in a spiritual dimension on a plane, whatever you want to call it. The natural can never, ever satisfy the spiritual. That book I was reading, uh, Addictions, Banquet at the Grave, that's basically what it says. What is happening is we have, quote-unquote, addictions to, you name it, we'll find an addiction for it. And we're trying to satisfy a spiritual problem with a natural solution. Whether it is alcohol, heroin, cocaine, man, we got addictions to sex now. We've got addictions, you know, I'm addicted to, what is it, the thing that everybody's talking about? Pornography on the web. We, we, I'm addicted to all this stuff now. Well, Jim and Crackers, I've seen people addicted to motorcycles. I've seen them addicted to certain kinds of cars. I've seen them addicted to cars. What is it trying to do? We're trying to do. You're trying to take care of a spiritual problem with a temporal solution, and God is the only one who can take care of spiritual problems, period. Period. Okay? We can only be satisfied by God, and that can only be accessed to that satisfaction through the Holy Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 5. I'll we'll call it 5 through 8. Yeah, that'll work. 5 through 8. He might redeem those who are under the law. Okay? In the fullness of time, verse 4, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law. Okay, remember what the law is for, right? Show you you couldn't, right? <clears throat> so that He might redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as what? Sons. Sons. Okay, adoption of sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit of His Son into your where? And what does it do? Not what do you do. What does the Spirit do? You can say, oh, Father in heaven, oh, Abba, oh, this, oh, that. And so what? If the Spirit of God isn't doing it, you're just making a lot of noise. The Spirit of God in the Christian, when we talk about sanctification, we always say, I'm going to be holy for He is holy. I'll be perfect for He is perfect. No, man. You are now have direct access to God. I don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to call the prayer chain. You don't have to do anything. You have the Spirit of God indwelling you. You have intimate relationship with God in such a way that you, through the Spirit, can call Him Abba. Abba. Okay, it's uh, Aramaic dominative. Hey, how about that? It means that there's a privileged right of sonship. It's more than saying, hey, big guy. Hey, papa. It says that I have sonship. I have the intimacy of a family. I have the love of a family. I have the ability to literally approach God as a family member. How many of you believe that? 
I know, we're all in church on Sunday. We all believe it, right? How many of you live that way? You know, I, this should be so evident in the body of Christ, and yet it's not. It's not. When you come up to a crisis in your life, what's the first thing you do? You try to figure out how to fix it, don't you? Yet, he who spoke existence... Now, think about it. You know, there's one of them that always messes with my head is, God created time. What? No, he didn't make a watch. He created time. Okay, before God did that, there was no such thing as time. You know what's really weird? God created space. And I still ain't... Time and space are the ones that... You made... What? What? And you know how he did it? He spoke. And there it was. You know what's weird about that? He didn't break a sweat. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. I'm going to have to start making time now. I mean, you know, and how, many, how much time will it take me to create time? See the weird stuff that we get into? Now, you ever thought about it? He made time. I know, mean, oh, how you, uh, who, he thought it up. What problem do you have? I mean, he only spoke time into existence. He only knit you in your mother's womb. He only knew you before the foundations of the earth. He only knew you to the glory and, and all the rest of it. So let me ask you a question. What problem you got? Okay, see what I mean? You need to grow in your faith. We can take this. Oh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Amen, brother. Preach it. Preach it. Okay, really? Okay, listen to this. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You know what that says to me? You can spot them. <laughs> you can see them. Why? For we have not received the spirit of slavery leading to the fear again. You know what that means, right? Fear of death and, oh, what if God catches me now? You know, we have this. We have a mentoring program. We have an accountability class. We got this. We got that. Where are you going to hide from God? You got a hiding place that God ain't found? He, you, know, he, you know, I know Superman, if you put him in lead, the kryptonite didn't bother him. God can still see you in the kryptonite room. You can't go away from him. He's there all the time. You know what? I read in Isaiah 40 that the waters will fit in the hollow of the hand, the span of his hand, his creation, and he knows when a sparrow falls. And he knows when he has the hair on your head, unless you're Al. And he says, Al ain't got no hair on his head. We didn't have to erase those. No worries. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? We look at this and we say, well, that's really cool. I'm into this. All right. But what this is telling me is I do not have the spirit of slavery. Why? I can go to God as a son with a privilege, with a right, with a confidence. The Holy Spirit gives us that intimacy with God that I can call on him anywhere I want to go. Anything. Anytime. Well, you know, I, I, my friend, I, I'll go back and use him. People say, well, what if he dies by himself? Impossible. Can't do it. Why? Lo, I am with you most of the time. Always, even to the end of the age. Well, but what if he's alone? He ain't going to be alone. You can't get him alone. I'd give anything at times to be alone. And I can't get away from him. Everywhere I go, he's there. I mean, I, you know, I know you guys ain't never done this, but I, was, I told him, God, leave me alone. He says, I can't. I can't deny myself. Why is it we... Now, listen, you guys are... You, we look at this. We can cry, Abba, Father, we have the intimacy with God who spoke existence into being. But let me ask you this. Why is it we will substitute anything and everything for God? Why is it? Well, you don't understand. No, 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 no. I know how easy it is to spot. Here's how easy it is to spot. We're going to come together. We're going to have a worship time. All right? I want everybody. We're going to have guest speakers. I don't know, Pick your favorite guest speaker, whatever that is. 
Okay? We're all going to have a time of guest speakers. And we're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And we're going to sing mighty praises and choirs and all the rest of it. You'll get a whole bunch of Christians, won't you? Won't you? Try this. We're going to come together and fall on our knees in prayer to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're going to have the prayer meeting. How many people are you going to get? And you got, well, I'd be there. Why? Because you're here today. Let me see if I ever see something. Do you ever remember the first time that the church leader asked you to pray out loud? Do you remember that? What will I say? It really matters. Do you remember it? Yeah. I, I'm scarred. I'm still in, prof- per se, per, what do they call it? Professional counseling. <laughs> Why? Because I remember when he told me, you mean what? You, you know, all right, let's all stand up and we'll pray in silence, okay? <laughs> Why? You know what prayer shows me? Humble dependence. But if you call for a prayer meeting, how many Christians will come out for it? Say to me, you have access to the living God. Why would you want to be perfected on a natural level? I mean, you can only have it done in the supernatural. Okay? You know what? If he didn't give us access, that'd be one thing, but he does give us access. It's already there. The access is so intimate that you can go to God, creator of existence, and call him Abba, Daddy, Papa. I was, I was in Israel a couple of years ago, and, and I got into Jerusalem, and you see these kids run around, and you hear, it's really weird. I mean, everybody talks funny over there, but they don't talk American. But uh, you hear them come around the corner, and you see these little bitty kids going, Abba, 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 Abba. And I'm saying, I go, I know what that is. That's Papa. And you've seen it sometimes in the uh, Aramaic and sometimes the Jews. They think, well, Abba, Abba, Abba. And you're saying, oh, I know what that means. And, and I thought, well, how cool. Why? Because that little child says, that's my daddy. Okay? And you can identify him. You can stand in the crowd. And you can listen up there and watch. Hmm. That little girl goes with that guy. That little boy goes with that guy. Why? Because they are identifying themselves with that child or that parent, right? Now you think about it as a Christian today. Who do you identify with? Okay? Access to living God. Now, I'm going to cover a bunch of ground really quick, but I want you to look at a person who had what I call a tumultuous life. Okay? But he was a man after God's own heart. David. Okay? David had some problems, didn't he? I mean, let's be realistic. You and I have problems, but none of us had the problems that David had. Okay, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some of you are just murderers. Okay? Um, I want you to think about how David, I want you to think about it in this perspective. Okay? You have an intimacy with God. Okay? What does it look like? I mean, tonight when I pray, my, you know, before I go to bed, I'm going to, hey, Abba. What's up? I don't know. Okay? Is that what you're going to do? Let me show you some things that I think might help you. Okay, beginning in the book of Psalms. Actually, just in the book of Psalms. Psalm 1611 says this. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Go backwards to that. With God, there is only pleasures forever. With God, there is only fullness of joy. With God, we will find out what is the path of our life. What are you dependent on? Let me ask, put it to you this way. Do you want joy? I'm not even going to ask if you want pleasure. How about guidance for your life? Do we want to know how to live? Do we want to know how to walk? Do we want to have happy life? And if we do, guess what? 
it will only be found in God's presence at his right hand. Period. Period. Now let me ask you a question. Where do you look for it at? Where do you look for your joy? Where do you look for your pleasure? Where do you look for guidance in your life at? And I bet you there's more answers in this room right now than there are people. Because I have seen humanity. Man will look for his joy, his pleasure, and his guidance just about anywhere but God. And I'm not talking about lost people. I'm talking about the church. What I see in the church in, in Castle Rock right now, that's what I see. The church in this state right now. Most people look for their joy where? Temporal. Something temporal. It's got to be temporal. You know, I, I enjoy skiing, so I'll ski and therefore I'll have joy. But as sooner or later, you're going to get cold. I enjoy this and I'll go do this. Or I enjoy that or I want this pleasure and this pleasure will be good. Okay? Let me show you another one. Psalm 27.4. Psalm 27.4. Okay? Where do you look for your joy? Where do you look for your pleasure? Where do you look for your guidance? And then here's what David says. One thing I have asked from the Lord. Stop right there. Anybody here gone with just one thing? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay? One thing I ask from the Lord that I shall seek... All right? All right, so he's kind of got him a little focus going on here. I'm going to ask this one thing. I'm going to seek this one thing. What is this? That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Do you hear what he said? Not all the days of my death. I don't want to dwell in the house of the Lord after I'm dead. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord when? Now. How about you? This one thing I ask, this one thing I seek. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. And we all know under the new covenant, who wears the temple? Okay. One thing was on David's prayer list. Presence of God. Presence of God. Okay. Go on. Now remember, we're looking at David. David here was what they call a dysfunctional father. Son. King. He's just dysfunctional. Uh, Psalm 42. Verses 1 and 2. Many of you have already read this. I'm going to go through a number of these verses, but I want you to look at the context of this. Uh, As the deer pants for the water brooks, what? So my soul pants for you, O God. Hmm. Now, I want you to think about this text because we read this. I got a little bookmark. Somebody gave me a bookmark. They said, because what I see in you is you just, you, you, you thirst for the word and this just fits you. Well... It does, but if you read the rest of this text, I hope that this isn't their prayer for me. <laughs> okay, let me show you what it says. As the deer pants for the waters brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Okay, now look what's going on. My tears have been my food day and night. Yea, sign me up. Okay, while they all say, why they say to me all day long, where is your God? You ever had that said? All right. These things I remember and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to, <clears throat> I used to go along with the throng and led them in processions to the house of the Lord with the voice of joy, thanksgiving, and multitude and keeping festivals. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become distressed? within me hope in God for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence his presence you have been drawn into an intimate relationship with the king of kings lord of lords God creator of all of existence and sustainer of life you have intimate access to him in the pit of this oh my god my soul is in despair within me listen this guy is bummed he is not having any fun Therefore, I remember you. When he was in the pit of despair, his, what did he do? I went to God. I'm going to go to God. Why? Deep calls to the deep of the sound of your waterfalls and all your breakers, your waves rolled over me. <coughs> the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and his song will be with me in the night and the prayer to God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? And why are you guilty? 
Why do I go on mourning because the oppression of the enemy and as the shattering of my bones? And he hears what he's getting into. This is a person who's in distress. As the shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me. And why do they say these things all day long? Where are you, God? Why do you despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in the Lord, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my Lord, my God. This is a cry of a man who knows where his resources are. Where is it? What's his dependency on? It's God. God alone. Yeah, but God helps those who helps himself. Yes, the great prophet Ben Franklin said that. Okay? God helps the helpless. Psalm 73, 25. <clears throat> okay, I want you to think about this one because we're... we're kind of wrapping this thing up i want you to think about this because you have an intimate relationship with god and i want you to think about it are you dependent there whom have i in heaven but you okay and besides you what i desire nothing on earth verse 26 says my flesh and my heart may fail but god is the strength of my heart and my portion forever I want you to look around, and I want you to think about it. I showed you what God gave you at the moment of your salvation. I don't know where you would go to attain any of those, other than the point of salvation. And yet, how many today in the body of Christ are trying to do what? Walk on their own. Walk on their own. We have that thing, we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's actually probably more the disciples' prayer, but we call it the Lord's Prayer. And it says this, Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Okay, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You really want that? I mean, you know what it's like in heaven? When God says something, there's a line of angelic hosts that are ready to go do it. Do we do that here? I don't think so. Okay, but he says this, Give us this day what? You know what he's saying? What are you dependent on? What are you dependent on? And that's what Paul is getting at to the Galatians. That's what you see David throughout the book of Psalms. Listen, you can't begin begin to be a Christian without the Spirit. You had to have it, right? When I became a Christian, it was because of the Spirit of God. Now try to live in a natural plane... You're going to try to live in the spirit realm with natural things? That is why the church looks like it does right now. Listen, it is easy to spot. How much prayer is there? That is so easy to spot. Prayer will show the man's heart, the man's humility, period. You know, I, I talk to people when they get ready to get married. I've, I've had a chance to uh, a couple of people to perform their wedding and i tell them i said the most intimate thing that you will ever do with this woman has got nothing to do with sex the most intimate thing that you can ever do with your wife is prayer why because see if you're saved guys if you're saved you pray with your wife you know you're walking into the throne room of god who knows the thoughts and the hearts of men and you're going to go in there and deceive who? So you have to go in there bare to the bone, bare to the soul. Your conscience is wide open. What are you going to hide? And you're going to do that with this woman that God gave you. Let me tell you something. There's nothing more intimate than that. I mean, you, as the spiritual leader of that woman, are now exposed before a holy God for all that you are. And I'm telling you what, that'll shake you to the bones. That's worse than standing up in front of the congregation and saying, let me close with prayer. Okay, because this person has been given to me as a gift from God, and now we will pray together. We are one spirit with God. We are one spirit with Jesus. We are one spirit with our divine creator. 
Now I am one spirit with this woman because we are one. No, not because of anything physical, because of something what? Spiritual. You can't perfect the spiritual with the natural. Impossible. That's why he said in Hebrews, are you really believe that the blood of bulls and goats can take away sin? And I mean, the Jew would sit there and go, duh, no. Uh-uh. Why do you do that then? I don't like bulls or goats. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? And yet now you're indwelt with the Spirit of God. You were convicted of sin. You were brought to repentance. You were supernaturally empowered. You were immersed into the body of Christ. The church already happened. You've been sanctified by the person of the Holy Spirit. He will bring it to pass in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 23, 24. It already happened. He will bring it to pass. Why? Well, something about him being faithful. And you would try to do what? You know, we just got done taking the Lord's table. We call it communion, some people. Communion. Do you know what? If you're saved, when do you break communion with God? You can't. You can't. You're always in communion with God. You may not like it, but you can't. You can't stop it. We are so programmed into quick fixes, to programs, to conferences, to the quick answers, and yet... David says, I desire nothing on earth but you. Verse 27, for behold, those who are far off from you will perish and you have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God, verse 28, is my good. Did you get that? The nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord... God, my refuge, that I may tell of all of your works. You know what he's saying here? There's nothing here for us. There's nothing here for us. This is all going to burn up. So let me ask you a question. Intimacy with God. I just want you to walk away with this. Okay, this isn't a pop quiz or anything like that. What is the strength of your heart? What is the strength of your heart? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your precious bride, your church. Lord, uh, we gather today to, to praise you. Father, I thank you for what you do. I thank you for what you've already done. Father... I still am overwhelmed that you immersed us into the body of Christ. Father, I still am overwhelmed that you convicted us of our sin. You brought us to repentance. Father, you freed us from sin and death. And Father, you're not done. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Jesus, that... We are no longer called servants, but friends of the Most High God. Thank you that sealing us with your spirit, Lord, we are authentic. We have an inheritance where rust and moth cannot destroy and thieves cannot get in. And yet, Father, we struggle with this world. Help us. Help us to overcome. Help us to see the things of this world fade. Father, we may draw upon the King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, may we become children of dependence. That all we would ever desire is your presence. To your glory. Amen.